0: To episode 69 of the british wrestling experience on postwrestling.com and i'm your host martin bushby and joining me as always is benno and benno it's our first bwe on the new schedule with us being monthly now um how are
1: things with you mate very well mate yeah uh, good uh... Quite uh, enjoyed our uh, you, you show that uh, that's joined us on on the network. Bushby and Thompson. our uh brother, Nate it was like a like a runaway train in that episode. That first fifteen twenty minutes are like the most entertained I think I've ever been by a podcast. You three are uh, taking me back to back in the day. So yeah, uh, really made us have that on the feed. Obviously, we're uh, with us being uh, monthly now. Um, so yeah, I got to enjoy that and have a have a couple of weeks off. Uh, but other than that, yeah, just been to be honest. It's G1 season, so I'm not doing much other than much wrestling right now, uh, which I'm not going to complain hugely about. I can't exactly go outside or I'll go to any pubs or anything like that right now, so it's uh, it's probably the best time for it.
0: Yeah, it was tons of fun recording that show with Nate. Absolutely brilliant, really. And obviously, Andrew as well. He really enjoyed it. And obviously, thanks to everyone for the great feedback we had from that, but... Um, it's not just me and you this week, Ben. I, uh, also joining us from uh, Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retreat is uh, Sarah Greaves. Sarah, thanks for joining us this month.
2: Oh, no, thanks very much for having me. I'm I'm really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us, because especially, um, I think you were just telling us off air, you just started university.
2: Yeah, just a, a few weeks ago doing a, a joint degree with um, film and media and psychology. So it's it's been a bit of a tough one.
0: Oh yeah, I can imagine certainly an interesting time to be going to university, isn't it? Because um, obviously, um, COVID's obviously dominating everything, isn't it? And it, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously we're all on the same island, but um, there's different restrictions for uh, you guys up there in Scotland than there are for us in England, aren't they? It all just seems a bit confusing at the moment. But I did see something on the news. Um, is there something about uh, they're bringing in sort of like a, a ban on, on inside drinks in pubs and things like that?
3: Yeah,
2: pretty much. Like they're not calling it a lockdown, um, but yeah, pretty much. Like cafes and pubs aren't allowed to sell alcohol now.
0: Wow, <laughs> <laughs> we thought we had it bad. Better. I mean, um, you guys there in Liverpool, you're on uh, some kind of like local lockdown at the minute, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I think we're one of the worst parts of the country. Um, wow, wow. Yeah, we kind of we 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 were the first to it to get the whole uh, ten o'clock. You've got to get kicked out of bars and restaurants, which kind of has led to all kinds of scenes on the on the streets of Liverpool and uh, elsewhere in the northwest at ten p.m. As everybody empties to the local Tesco Express or the local. Uh, off license, so those rules haven't uh, haven't quite worked out. But yeah, since that, it's just been yeah. I think the the rumor is that come Monday, at least in Liverpool and the other affected areas, all our all our pubs are going to close um, next week. So it does feel like yeah. I feel like you know Scotland's getting a, a bit of a raw deal there, and I feel like just the the north of England in general is getting a bit of a raw deal. I think those uh those those the those elites down south, Martin, they're uh, they're definitely trying to uh, <laughs> squash our freedoms and uh and yeah, big make like, life very hard uh, right now up here. But yeah, it's a it's a difficult time, so I can. I could see some sense to some of the rules but it's definitely, yeah, after having that little bit of freedom, you know, like say a month ago the last time we recorded and being able to go out and having a couple of days out I had a great little brewery tour with me, brother, starting to get used to go. The whole eat out to take help out thing, remember that? Remember when everyone thought that was a good yeah. idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a thing anymore, is it? And yeah, like, uh, like we've just said there, there with Sarah, they've uh, opened the unis and opened the schools and yeah, all of a sudden there's a, a second wave coming. So yeah, I feel like it's, uh, unfortunately, uh, the north part of uh, this union the having to, uh, to deal with it right now, the west.
0: Yeah, from a selfish point of view, um, I've just started my uh, two-week leave from work, and I was uh, supposed to be flying out to Japan tomorrow, so that... Oh. Uh, for the uh, G1 finals, so yeah, that, that, that got cancelled. Um, got a quick uh, refund, though, from British Airways, because I know a lot of people have been struggling to get refunds from holidays and things like that, but they were pretty... Uh, quick in sorting the refunds out and um so me and my wife were like well we can't go to the we'll plan some trips in uh in the uk and uh you know we had a variety of things planned like maybe going down to oxford this weekend to see uh see those uh rascals joe and jp um and that <laughs> might be even off the cars now depending on whether uh sheffield has its own local lockdown so it's all it's all really up in the air and um yeah it's hard to get anything planned isn't it so um it'll be just to see what happens in the next sort of like week or so and Yeah, and this new normal that we're currently in. But, um, I mean, enough about what's going off uh, with that, because obviously we've got plenty to get into as we look back at the uh, past month in European wrestling. And, um, I mean, there's been tons of stories these past couple of weeks um, concerning the uh, speaking out movement since we last recorded. I mean, the the first big one there was uh, the BBC. They... They post an article and a video on their website with uh, Millie McKenzie, Erin Angel, and Lucia Lee talking about their experiences in British wrestling and sort of like what they would have hoped uh, could change in the future. I mean, you had Millie even saying that she hated wrestling, hated everyone, and that she didn't want to be there because she knew she'd have to be around Travis Banks and all his friends. And and then Lucy Lee later in the video said that uh, you know the conversation was needed at the time because obviously these people would still be in the business now. I mean, firstly, you've got to say how brave of these three to go on a, on a massive platform like, you know, there's nothing bigger in the UK than the BBC and share their experiences. I uh, really commend them for that. But, um, I mean, Benno, a um, good uh, major platform like the BBC is sharing stories like this and uh, educating people on what's been happening in wrestling, really. I mean, even if it was a, a few months after this sort of stuff um, all all came out.
1: Yeah, that's it. It was a little while after the fact, but it's massive coverage uh, i think our worldwide listeners will will know the bbc and know that that is you know that's our our major uh, platform i suppose as far as uh, as far as news goes uh, bbc news and bbc sport picking this thing up um so yeah overall like I, I was very happy to see the the coverage out there same as you like the the bravery of uh, of Amelia mckenzie you know telling these stories about when she was 17 being very Explicit um about her feelings uh, about wrestling and about Travis Banks in general um, and just being willing to unfortunately have to be the face of this and that is sad, you know, that someone as young as Millie McKenzie or someone as young as Lucia Lee is kind of having to be you know the 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 faces of this movement um but you know they're picking up the slack where maybe some others uh in our region and in our industry aren't picking it up um so yeah i'd absolutely applaud the the bravery of them too i was made up to see the coverage you know I, i saw some people out there not happy that it for example this story didn't cover everything you know there are there are other you know Stories that came out of the speaking speaking out movement that weren't covered here. Some much more serious. Some, I would say, quite a, a bit less serious. Um, and also, I, I did see people, you know, criticizing the fact that, for example, in this story, they they spoke to Triple H and they 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 had the quote from Andy Quilden in there as well. Um, but you know, this is a this is the BBC. This is you know one of our biggest news organizations. And if they're gonna tell a story like this, they're gonna speak to to all stakeholders, no matter you know, what your personal opinions might be on some of the stakeholders uh, in here. I mean, they even included a quote from Charles Banks, and that's, you know, not something we all want to read, but it's, you know, that's good journalism. Um, so, yeah, overall, you know, I was glad to see the the story get this coverage. I was glad to see uh, a bit of coverage in there about, uh, you know, Alex Davis-Jones and the parliamentary inquiry uh, into, uh, into British wrestling as well in there. And, yeah, all in all, I can't really help but look at this as... Anything, um, but a but a really good thing.
0: Yeah, Sarah. I suppose it was an impossible to um to cover everything in the uh, in the story. But I suppose, uh, what were your thoughts when um, it, it came out on the BBC website?
2: I mean, I w- I felt really quite proud actually, because like it, you see something that started mid June time is just something on Twitter, mm. people speaking out and whatnot to get broadcasted by. Like you said, the UK's biggest like news and news media platform, um, and it's the fact that they're like the public service broadcasters of the UK. Like they were the number one, um. So seeing a lot of coverage getting brought to it, it it, it makes it feel like it's not in vain, and that these girls are not like reliving all their past trauma for no no good reasons, um. So and like like Beryl said, it's getting like all different perspectives like of course you're gonna maybe get like a wee statement from travis banks because Melly's one of the faces of it and triple h like he's considered you know the next in line to the throne uh, at wwe so and the fact that he's really really big on his uk division as well so it would make sense to have like something from him Um, but it's nothing nothing but goodness like it just it makes it feel like it's not been taken as a joke, which a lot of wrestling related stuff does.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point actually, because it was on their uh, it was on the BBC Sport thing, and then it got shared quite a lot on um, other sort of BBC social media. So yeah, it wasn't. It's like you say that's a really good point that it wasn't treated as a joke, and um, you know they treated it as something. Really seriously. But um, I mean, Benno mentioned it earlier as well. Um, a group of uh, cross party MPs have uh, seemingly joined together to start taking evidence, written and oral, to inform a report to be released in early 2021. Um, this group includes Labour MP Alex Davis Jones and uh, Conservative MP Mark Fletcher. I mean, the press release also went on to state that the MPs are going to seek to better understand how the industry can be better governed and are seeking out good practices. Practice examples rather to inform their work. Um, we also saw a video of uh, Alex Davis Jones discussing the speaking out movement in the House of Commons as an adjournment debate in misogyny in sport. Um, I mean, there's a lot to digest there in terms of this parliamentary group, um, but what were your thoughts, Sarah, on seeing this sort of like press release and this House of Commons footage? I mean, um, it's, it all seems like it might just be words now, but it, it's like, uh, along with the BBC article, it, it seems like. Um, you know, this thing started in June and and it's not being forgotten about anytime soon, which is nothing but a good thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, for some, some people might just see it as just words and like these things are happening, but you keep seeing people that are like, they were wanting like the women's revolution and equality within wrestling. This is absolutely no different. Um, Like looking at misogyny and everything that's been happening behind the scenes, like I think they've realized that, Britain is basically built around this wrestling industry and, like, most people don't realise how actually big it really is. I mean, there's numerous promotions going on in England. There's a number of promotions up here in Scotland um, that have got loads and loads, like, if not thousands of fans that attend these shows and watch them online and talk about them. Um, So seeing everything, like, go to Parliament, like, it kind of makes it feel like um wrestling's sort of been I wouldn't say accepted by like the sort of um mainstream people 'cause like I can guarantee you like every single wrestling fan's been made fun of because they're a wrestling fan. Like haha is it fake and like this this that and the next thing but like to see it getting talked about properly it's it's sh- it should be treated no different than like day to day like rape allegations and like domestic abuse. So it, it it's just because it's not happening inside the home, but it's still at the workplace, which should be taken just as seriously.
1: Yeah, it, it, it legitimizes the story, doesn't it? Both mm-hmm. this and the and the coverage of it. I mean, you know, you alluded to it there—the way you know wrestling can get treated in the public eye, and you know, just for that BBC story, that was. I think I'm sure we all saw it, the quote tweets from, you know, people go on, it was on the BBC sports section. said, so, well, this isn't even a sport. And I was glad to see those people get shouted down. Yeah. Um, story <laughs> so got taken, you know, legitimately as it is, because it's a very, very serious story. Um, and, and then, you know, there's two sides to that. You, on the one hand, you get that. On the other hand, I've got like my dad or my uncle People people I know from work who don't follow wrestling were made aware of this story through, you know, the movements of the mm-hmm. APBG and the BBC story as well. So it's kind of made people go, hang on, what's happening in wrestling? And I, th- I think that the big thing about the APBG is that it's, you know, it, wrestling, we like to think of it as different and special. And, you know, it is a very, very particular industry. But, you know, these types of stories, very sadly, happening in other industries as well, and they get taken seriously. And I'm glad that wrestling has kind of been, you know, put in that category. And you know, it's got its own, you know, avenues for this type of uh, thing to happen, um, as we've seen, you know, over the summer. So, you know, I'm glad that it's been uh, been grouped with those, you know, the very serious issues from other sports and other fields in entertainment as well because unfortunately the issues that we've uh we've seen in speaking out are you know very much rife within our society um so yeah again glad glad to see the appg side of this story you know i, I have a a little bit of you know listening to the likes of will cooling who you know yeah, you did a podcast with her not that long ago sarah like will is someone who's very you know he's he's probably pessimistic on the early appg side of things you know but it is the type of parliamentary group is gonna suggest things but for them to actually get put into action you know that's a whole other kettle of fish but the fact that it's even there and that these suggestions can be made and this story has been given uh the legs that it you know it deserved back in the summer again only a positive thing i think from a from my point of view and yeah i think i am a somewhat hopeful that we might uh, we might get some change and we might get something uh, legitimate uh, coming out of this entire thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's the main thing, and it? It, it makes it seem more legitimate. Because, I mean, um, that's not the only sort of uh, speaking out story past couple of weeks, because uh, after getting a, a fair amount of flack online for not providing uh, anything in the way of written codes of conduct or so what they expect from the performers uh, outside of sort of like... Uh, for an half hour podcast and Q and A, uh, Red Pro have released a statement the other week saying that they they've come to an agreement with Equity. Obviously, Equity is the UK Performers Union. Um, they work with all kinds of performers, from actors to dancers and everyone in between. And um, the statement you noted know, that the agreement sets out terms and conditions. for Performers and promoters in writing provides a dignity at work policy, allows time and access for performers to engage with the union, as well as a uh, Educational opportunities at grassroots level uh, through Red Pro's uh, associated Portsmouth School of Wrestling. Um, I mean, without going through all the documents that are in great detail, uh, the terms and conditions do include a disciplinary and grievance procedure for all regular roster members, and uh, the dignity at work policy also states that uh, Red Pro is going to be committed to providing an environment free of harassment, bullying, and victimisation, and. Uh, even had a quote in a statement from uh, equity organiser Steve Duncan Rice, who who said uh, by providing equity with regular access to their roster, enabling unionisation, Andy and his team are setting a, a powerful example. I mean, um, so Red Pro copped a lot of flack, uh, most of it justified for their use of... Uh, you know that them not providing any sort of like brim code of conduct on their website and they've also had some flak for the use of uh, will osprey with seemingly uh, no punishment and and um well it, this is again words on paper and i mean it's really interesting to see them joining up with a you know a really big union here in the UK
2: yeah i mean i sometimes don't understand why people um are put, like do push the companies to give statements um Like, we saw up here with ICW, it took them a long time to to release a statement. But, again, you don't have any idea what's going on behind the scenes and, like, what they're working towards. And, and like, my opinion, I'd rather them put out, like, a, a heartful statement than just rushing to just make sure that they've got something. And so I think, like, maybe taking the time to not release anything, like, within the first few days, like, unless they just say... Right, we're going to be looking into things. Um, Will Osprey, I'm not even going to talk about because it, it, just his name makes me angry. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but like joining up um, with the with that union, it's. I mean, it's it's a step. Like I can't really say anything else apart from it's a step and it's progress.
0: Fair point there, Beno.
1: Yeah, I, I mean that's it. I think equity are always going to be, you know the reunion at the end of the day they're going to be looking after the wrestlers and that's going to be the safety of the wrestlers in many ways not you know just for a, through a speaking out lens but just in general their their rights and uh, you know them as you know quote-unquote employees um so equity uh, it's an interesting way to get to this point but they are the type of legitimate organization i think that need to be involved in this and Again, I think that, that's a big point for me that, you know, they're going to get involved. The ABPG are going to get involved and they're going to be speaking to stakeholders that, you know, not all of us are going to like. You know, not all of us are going to like the fact that, you know, RevPro are shouting from the, the hilltops as the first people to kind of get the ball going go rolling with equity. But, you know, they are either, you know, at least one of the top three companies in the UK. And them doing that is an example uh, and is a, a good example of for, for other promotions to, to follow the lead on, you know, there are obviously obviously other things we've covered in this show that promotions shouldn't follow the lead of Rev Pro on, but I I do genuinely think this is a it's a positive step, um, and I agree with Sarah that yeah I think, I think I think sometimes we we really we want things right away, especially in the Twitter age. Like how many times you see like a a kickoff on Twitter. And an hour later, people are calling for the heads of people because there hasn't been an apology yet or there hasn't been a statement yet. And it's like, not. I mean, I do, but not everyone lives on Twitter. And sometimes these things take time to formulate and have the right response. Now, obviously, the counter here with RevPro as well. They ran shows before they did this. um, And that is, you know, a big a big problem. Um, but I, same as I would like to see these things done right, uh, and I think this is the right way to do things. And I, I do think, you know, although we can all criticize uh, some of the handling of uh, of Rev Pro leading up to this, I think this is a, this is a, a real positive. And if anything, I hope all the promotions uh, get involved and again even promotions and people who lead those promotions that we don't like get involved in this conversation because i think yeah it's uh, it's bigger uh, than the, the differences that we, that we might all have and i think the only way you get anywhere with a story like this is is by involving uh, all other people both good and bad uh, and i think equity will have uh, plenty of experience in doing that so yeah i'm uh, i'm quite hopeful on that story
0: and so, obviously, with starting university, you know, that uh, checks up the majority of your time with your studies and everything. But um, as far as the Scottish scene goes, like, uh, what's sort of been uh, happening with the promotions up there in terms of, like, moving forward um, after the speaking out movement?
2: Um, well, uh, people have been quite quiet and honestly... Um... Like, but just I think just because like there's nothing really been going on. Um, mm. the only company like Discovery have done quite well, like they've just parted ways with people that have had accusations against them and um they said that they're not gonna be working with them again, like that's all fair and good. Um especially because the, the owner and um runner of Discovery is no way involved with wrestling. He's he's actually a political journalist. Wow. <laughs> um, I know, right? <laughs> um <laughs> So, like, Alan at Discovery, he took just, like, that approach. to just cut like, hit straight on the head and just said that he's not going to be working with them. Um, ICW took took a bit of a, a long longer approach to it. Um, I don't know if that's down to restrictions with WWE or what. Um, but, like, they've put in place of, obviously, like, safeguarders and, um, like, doing background checks on any trainees that are going to be starting at GPWA. Um, let's see, Fierce Females has probably done like the most, I would say. So like when the allegations came out about Mikey Whiplash, he immediately raised his hands, admitted that he'd done wrong uh, and stepped away from the company and left his business partner, Veda, in charge, who, again, she's not actually in any way involved with wrestling. Um, she does completely different things. Um so... And then bringing in um, like their sort of committee. So we had Sammy Jo, who's one of the more experienced uh, female wrestlers at Fierce Females. She retired, and um, just because like she didn't want to work in that kind of industry, um, and she was quite upset, especially because um, a lot of close people had been affected or had been um, perpetrators. So and the fact that she's uh, she's a midwife as well, so she's had. All the background training for like safeguarding and whatnot. So she joined uh, the management team, and then Ayusha Raymond, uh, she joined the management team as well, uh, and she's running the now newly called Fierce Females Dojo, which is um, based at Source Wrestling School. And then they brought in Tony Shivers, uh, which was one of the younger girls affected by speaking out, um, and that that like that that story hit me quite quite close to home and just because it was like one of my friends and also I was affected by the same person Mm. and so she's been brought in as well so we've got the fierce females boss ladies and the management team which all of them they don't really take any shit from people especially especially Vader like if anyone tries to do anything she is straight as she will probably either punch you in the face or knock you out (laughs) and same with Aisha Raymond same with actually same with all of them yeah I would say same with all of them actually and um, so they've they've done quite well like they've they're still facing some criticism from certain people i I won't name names um but they're saying that because Veda is actually flatmates with Mikey whiplash that she's not fit to run the company um but in response to that, you can't really kick someone out of a flat share like just because of what they've done and their friends he's left wrestling altogether, he's literally in no way associated with it. He'll still state his opinions, but he's in no way associated with wrestling anymore. So that's what they've done. Um and try to think of the other companies like Source obviously again was run by Mikey Whiplash, but that's now um been put in charge by um, the likes of who we've got we've got David Devlin and um Robbie Wishart with also Uh, glenn dunbar being like one of the sort of go-to people as well so that's kind of really been the changes in scotland there's not much to report on um i think it'll like more will happen closer to when we're actually able to go back to shows
0: so say there was some sort of like miracle cure for uh, covid um (laughs) at the end of the year um sort of like as a female fan would you uh Feel comfortable if certain precautions were taken, like um, going back to shows. If, if, um, say these promotions came up with codes of conduct and and they were posting them on the website, or what would it take for you uh, to go back to a show? Do you think?
2: I mean, look, well, I never personally felt unsafe, and um, just because I would probably punch someone, like I've got <laughs> a very a very short temper, um, but and I have actually punched people at shows, like so, um, but. Most places do have a Code of Conduct now. I mean, I know Fierce Females do, um, and they have posted it on their Twitter page on numerous occasions. Um, and I, I, I don't think I've seen many other Codes of Conduct. Um, I know that Discovery will have some in place because um, out of the whole of Scotland, my two favourite promotions are Discovery and uh, Fierce Females. Just they're they're on top when it comes to the way that they treat their talent as well as running shows. Um so I I guess you would sort of need to see, but I've I've never really personally felt unsafe. Um and also the fact like I, I don't really drink. So again I keep my wits about me um and I'm not scared to punch or kick anybody. So I'm usually like protecting other folk if they feel uncomfortable. Right. <laughs>
0: <That's funny. laughs> Because um, I mean, obviously, all those changes are happening up in Scotland. But uh, there was one last uh, thing, story that I wanted to touch on as well, um, is Progress, because uh, obviously they're another major company, um, and they've um, they've joined the Old Vic Theatres uh, Guardians program. Um, the Old Vic Guardians is a group of trained staff who offer a, a confidential outlet for colleagues to share concerns about behaviour or, or the culture at work, and I mean. Those not in the know, um, the Old Vic's uh, a really famous theatre in, in London who had their own scandal a few years ago after uh, their artistic director, Kevin Spacey, obviously had a, that was well publicised, he had a, a number of allegations of inappropriate behaviour made about him by staff members at the Old Vic. And, um, I mean, Benno, the, the Old Vic Guardians programming I mean, completely separate from progress and um, and a, a good avenue maybe for performers to any concerns they've got.
1: Yeah definitely I mean it's not something I was hugely aware of uh, prior to this story Um, but it kind of goes to what we were saying earlier doesn't it that you know while speaking out was a huge story in wrestling it's unfortunately not the only industry where things like this have happened so yeah you know there are I've definitely got some criticism for progress and maybe some of the uh the, you know the, the former people in charge of progress that might well come up when we talk about NXT UK later but as far as the the people pushing things forward now um there are good signs there um and that's another good sign really that's another you know a, a sign that they're willing to, to work with you know organizations that have dealt with this type of story before um and organizations that'll obviously be a, a huge positive for, for talent and yeah I think there'll be uh, lessons to learn there as well um, so yeah similar to the RevPro equity story um, another case where you know one of our, our larger companies um, is leading a bit by example and yeah hopefully uh, other promotions uh, follow them there too uh, like I say this is this is a big story and there are going to be lots of little stories like this that we're going to have to give time um, to play out so we am going to have to I think have some patience and not expect quick fixes, not expect, you know, dbs checks to fix everything or expect you know just a code of conduct that you slap on a website haphazardly to to fix everything uh working with organizations like, like organizations like this that know better um and yeah putting the, the best foot forward in the uh, in ways like this the progress of and that uh rev pro have um i think yeah certainly certainly positive signs and yeah i think i was feeling quite down about this this entire story uh, a month ago when we last recorded and yeah in the months since there's been a uh, you know nothing nothing gained Changing, but a few little positive stories there we've uh, we've covered here tonight. So yeah, I'm uh, quietly uh, hopeful. Uh, is probably what I'd say.
0: Yeah, because I don't think there's uh, much that we can know until until well into the future till these things have been implemented and we've and we've seen them working in action. Because on, on top of that, I mean. You know, we we have seen the likes of Mariah May uh, have set up funding pages after legal action was threatened against her. You know, I mean, horrendous things like that have been spoken out about the abuse now and to fight people trying to silence them. And then even Jack Gallagher released a statement um, under Jack Claffey on Twitter basically saying that he drank a lot of alcohol and didn't recall what happened um, based on the allegations. And then also Travis Banks... I and mean, then back to posting things on his Instagram. I mean, already we're seeing some of the people accused they trying to worm their way back in, there, aren't we?
2: I mean, yeah, you've seen it with like Joey Ryan and David Starr as well. And you're just like, no, 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 you can't, you can't. Like, at the end of the day, people are going to remember. And mm. um, like, I'm all for like if they if they're going to post a statement, I need bother, but. Don't go trying to blame it on being intoxicated, um, or the sat and the next thing like. Because at the end of the day, you always know what you're doing. It just your reaction times are just a bit slower. That's all alcohol does to you. It doesn't make you do anything that you wouldn't already do yourself. Because like that's where the whole um drunk drunk mouth speaks sober minds. Like that's where that expression comes from. So it just it it i think when like when i first saw the statement i started laughing and i was just like that is utter bullshit <laughs> um because you know, i was like imagine how that poor girl feels that like, he's just turning around saying oh yeah I, I was drunk i didn't i didn't know what i was doing and you're like mm, no or it's, it's the same with like anybody just trying to act like their normal like david Starr and Joy ryan just sort of trying to act as if everything's normal. You're like, no, you don't get to do that anymore. It's like feeling like it's like a dog you slap them on the nose to say no.
0: Yeah, I mean, it does seem, Benno, like um, a lot of these guys are, are, are trying to sort of like ride the storm and then sort of like sneak back in um, hoping that everyone have forgotten about it.
1: Yeah, that's it. You're seeing Twitter accounts get reactivated and you're seeing statements like this come out. Um, and yeah, I would say... This is this is a case where you know it's sad, isn't it? You see like a Jack Gallagher statement, and there are still people in the comments going, oh, one bad decision doesn't make a bad person," and you know there are unfortunately going to be a lot of people um, because the fans of these wrestlers who are going to defend literally anything, um, and you know there are. There are really bad stories uh here and it doesn't seem to matter how bad how bad the story is whether you're a joey ryan with you know 20 odd accusers or you're, you know one of the the stories coming out of britain unfortunately there are there are people out there that are going to welcome uh the return of, of a lot of these wrestlers to, to twitter and to and to wrestling in general um and all I'd say really is to you know we still need to, as we said in June and as we said in July, listen to the victims. You know, one of the the many quotes to Jack Claffey was, uh, you know, the, the girl who just goes by Becky on Twitter, who was you know the girl mentioned in the uh, in the Jack, Cla- Jack Claffey slash Jack Gallagher story. Um, you know, we made clear the effect the story has had on her. I would implore the people who are quick to Jump into the replies of a uh, of someone like Jack and you know Jack is someone you know cards on the table somebody way back in the day I did know quite well um but obviously is uh shown his colors as to, as to who he is as a person um don't listen to him listen listen to the to the victims listen to people who were brave enough over the summer to speak out support the likes of Mariah may the likes of Hannah textbook lovers on Twitter who have got you know GoFundmes and uh, and CrowdJustice dot com uh, campaigns out there that have uh, retweeted and Lots of other people have retweeted as well, and lots. Of, it's it's great to see people donating and helping with that legal action because we are going to we are in that that stage of it now where yeah, you know people are going to be crawling out of the woodwork and trying to come back, and there's going to be you know. Legal action as well, like with the Joey Ryan story, and like with those two stories I mentioned, uh, with the girls there, um, where the you know the heavy-handed lawyers of big corporations are going to try and silence these women. Um, and I think it's on anybody who feels strongly about these stories to uh, to back these women uh, and to support them where they can. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's absolutely uh, where, as a community, I think we need to to focus our energy right now. And yet is you know encouraging to uh, to see a lot of that um, at least out there on my timeline.
0: Just final story before we, we move on. Um, I, I noticed something getting a bit of attraction uh, the other weekend, sort of like something maybe in your wheelhouse, Ben. What was this uh, wrestling CRB? What, what was that all about?
1: A complete non story, mate. <laughs> when I talk about distractions from the real stories, like that was a big one. Like, again, cards have given my, my job. I spend all day, and I spent all day today doing people's DBS checks. That is entirely what I do as a living. Um, TNT messed up. TNT came out and said, you know, they made their statement basically saying, we're teaming up with wrestling CRB. And it made out like they're going to have this magic wrestling CRB that are going to fix all their problems and make sure all their wrestlers are safe. Um, and a lot of people, you know, jumped down their throats who are wrestling CRB. Why are we supposed to trust them? Why is this the answer? And I get, you know, TNT absolutely brought that on themselves. Yes. Um, but I can tell you from from my personal experience, there are a they're called DVS checks now, not CRB checks. They haven't not say, for I mean, <laughs> CRBs
0: been for <laughs> well, years. CRBs have it back
1: that's making too light, but it's a bit. I like remember when uh, they rebranded Opal Fruits to Starburst, and everyone still called them Opal Fruits. Or what was what were they trying called Cocoa Pops at one point? They tried to change them, oh, and man, it just maybe, never stuck. Yeah. yeah, but those Cocoa crispies, was it something like that? Never yeah. works. Everyone still calls it by the original name. <laughs> I I answer calls all day from people going oh i've got a question about my crb check there are a million organizations out there like wrestling crb that have got crb in their name all those organizations do is they act as the middleman between small companies like tnt or other companies in other industries and they funnel the paperwork to the dvs and to idiots like me who actually sit there and do the checks um that's all it is uh, that's all all a company like that does it's not You know, abnormal, it's not special to wrestling. There'll be football CRB, there'll be drama CRB, there'll be all of these little companies. They're basically scooping a pound off the top of whoever puts a a DBS check in, and for, for that price, they then do the paperwork on behalf of the people and on behalf of the wrestling people here. And I know there was a bit of controversy because it looks like wrestling travel are the people behind wrestling CRB. And I think it turns out that TNT jumped the gun and posted you know, a, a logo that was wrong, called them wrestling CRB when I'm told they are actually going to be called wrestling DBS. So that's a step eight years into the future and a, yeah. <laughs> and a good thing. Um, but I mean, again, somebody's got to, some but some company out there is going to do this job. Some Company is going to take the paperwork from the wrestling companies, send it off to the DBS, and people are going to get DBS checked. It just isn't a story. Um and I'm not just saying that because it's TNT and Liverpool and I like going to their shows. I've had plenty of uh, I've had run-ins with uh, with TNT as well, uh, myself, but this wasn't a story really to, to be over the head with, I don't think. And if anything, the thing to focus on um is yet that you know getting DBS checks is an important first step for wrestling. Uh DBS checks can you know, the types of DBS checks, the basic DBS it's like I'm in work now, Martin, you've set me off on one. Basic <laughs> DBS checks are the types of checks that We'll show convictions, and that's about it. And that's all you'll get for a performer. You're not going to get an enhanced DBS check. People will be out there giving that that false info out there. You're only getting enhanced DBS check if you're applying to work with children or vulnerable adults. In that case, you know maybe some non-conviction information might get uh, disclosed. Maybe you'll you'll get information like the types of things we saw in, in speaking out in the summer, where you know unfortunately there is unlikely to be a uh, much police action. Um, but yeah, you know those types of checks. I think anyone who's running a wrestling school should be using a couple of like wrestling CRB or wrestling DBS to to get those checks. Um, but you know, basic DBS checks are are important. It's one part of this process, and yeah, I think it's a it's a good thing. And I think uh, it's a it's something that won't be a complete answer, but it will put off you know some people from um, trying to work um, in wrestling or, or work at training schools. So yeah, I kind of felt like that was a story where you know a company is trying to do something positive but maybe through their own uh impatience and the, their own you know bad uh way of getting to this story and maybe jumping the gun um that they, they caused a lot of their own problems but yeah i think it's a it's a positive for companies to get these types of checks done and really it, it doesn't hugely matter who is doing the check as long as uh the check's done properly
0: and i suppose the moral of the story is uh you know, wait till everything's in line before you make announcements, I suppose, really. Isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> That's another thing. Save yeah. yourself a big headache. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, moving away from that now and on to, uh, I know Beno's been waiting half an hour to talk about this, but um, NXT UK made its return uh, mid-September. They've been uh, filming episodes in the BT Sports Studio down in London. London, And uh, as of recording this three episodes in, it's seen the return of... Uh, Nigel McGuinness on commentary of the, uh, NXT UK Heritage Cup tournament with eight wrestlers facing off under British round rules, uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov rekindling their rivalry, uh, still no Tyler Bay, Wolfgang and Sid Scalar all over these shows despite the accusations against those guys and, um, I mean, so just before we get into the shows themselves, I mean obviously it's no secret that we aren't the biggest fans of our own brand on, on this show, but um what's some of your thoughts on NXT UK as a whole? I mean, happy to have you disagree with me and Benno, but um what were your what are some of your thoughts of uh, NXT UK?
2: I'm not going to lie, I've not watched it since the first episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, your own brand? You haven't watched your own brand since the first There's other things
2: know. on the TV, like AEW, <laughs> Impact, NXT. It takes up a lot of time. <laughs> Thursday oh, night, night is AEW well night. That's why I say <laughs> Thursday <night's AW> night is AEW night.
0: I think that summed uh, NXT UK up there, didn't
1: it, Beno? Uh, do we need to go <laughs> on? <We move> on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh,
1: God, honestly. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I wish I hadn't watched this thing because uh, yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got nothing positive to say myself really. Um, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> it's just I mean, people will see my tweets. Last night, trying to get through the the latest episodes of uh, NXT UK, and oh, I mean, the empty, empty arena era of pro wrestling has been. You know, it's been a mixed bag. Even the G1's not as good as, you know, as normal because of the fact that while wow, we've got crowds there, they, they can't even cheer. Um, and empty Arena Wrestling can really be hit or miss. But was anybody, anybody begging for NXT UK to come back? And, and instead of like dead crowds in front of empty, old, grandiose buildings, we've got like this, this laugh track of golf claps that. Sound like they've come from an old PGA game on the PlayStation One and <laughs> game show sounds that sound like somebody on NXT UK has been watching Degeneration Game or you know some some old like eighties or nineties quiz show uh, like catchphrase and just recording the sound of the of a crowd cheering and booing and and inserted into the show. It's like oh, if you thought NXT UK was a struggle already, this was this was taking the biscuit, really. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because
0: I saw your tweets before I uh, you know. Oh. Did the Lord's work and watch three episodes of it this afternoon? <laughs>
1: three! Oh my God,
0: are you okay? And the uh, just, <laughs> just the um, the the claps and the, it's just so silent and and just it's like you say it's just like golf claps but then turned down a notch. Um, it's just it's just bizarre. And then and then the draw for this Heritage Cup tournament was absolutely awful. All eight guys, Trent, seven, a kid. Joe Connors, Dave Mastiff, Flash Morgan Webster, Alexander Wolf, Noam Dar just stood in the ring like a bunch of geeks as Sid Scala did the draw. Only sort of picked up when the real star Pete Dunne came out to say some words and then later say he was going to ref the first round match between Gnome uh, Dar and Alexander Wolf. I mean, um, and that match as well, that seemed to go on forever. Darby Wolf. I mean, Beno, I mean, do you think rounds matches uh, work these days?
1: No, nobody wants them, and, you know, they can stay in the past. Sorry, Jamesy. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, I get it. It's a way to appeal to, you know, the history of, of British wrestling, and they were doing that a little bit, weren't they, with, with Chris Hero in the, in the last run of TV before the uh, the company shit-canned him. Um, so I get that, but, yeah, it's just in a it, – it, it's just in this presentation on this show – I mean, not even not even trying to appeal to that. I think is going to make any particular fans like who's as Sarah said, who's watching this thing? Like who's we don't all got better things <laughs> to do? I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, it's I think it's us. It's Will Cooling and it's and it's you know anyone else who Ian runs Hamilton. Uh, yeah, in a will watch a bit, and it'll just be it's really just the people out there who are doing you know reporting and reviewing British or or a force like we are to uh, to cover this because it's it's a big story in British wrestling. Um, yeah, I just don't get it. I mean, it's just, I, I do feel like, you know, you sat through three shows, I watched the latest one, and while we've been recording the, another episode is uh, is airing live on the, uh, on the WWE Network, and I've caught some bits and pieces of that. But it is just, it's the blandest possible wrestling put on by happy-to-be-there wrestlers who are all regressing rather than progressing. And it's out in the open, and they all come across like kids who are... Uh, you know, and these are experienced restless people who are very good on the indies. And they just all seem scared of their own shadow when you watch these matches. When you watch a match like on you know that last show where you know they throw Kenny Williams, Amir Jar Jordan and Ashton Smith out there for a three-way. And they're all <laughs> in this empty arena setting trying to hit their like so obviously trying to hit like the WWE house style cues and you know, work in that WWE style and face the hard cam and you know, between the matches, you've got like Eddie Dennis doing like a a sinister promo, and Flash Morgan Webster cutting a promo that you've seen eighty seven thousand times before on Raw. Also, look at Flash's new mark. look? He's gone from oh, being he like, looks... he's like this grizzled, you know, <laughs> grizzly
2: Adams, <laughs> has not he? He's been through he... the wars. That's why.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he looks like he's had a hard life. Like he, yeah, he just he just looks rough, doesn't he? Like yeah, he looks like he doesn't want to be there. Um... And yeah, and they've got him out there cutting this like imitation WWE style promo, and he just looks like a looks like a kid trying to impress the teacher. Um, and that, that's how everyone comes across on these shows; they don't come across as stars. Um, and if anything, I watch the show just feeling second embarrassment for the wrestlers. Uh, that's really how I feel about it. You know, we've got Ginny out there as well, cutting like a stage melodramatic drama school promo. You know, she's and she's someone who's just. She was, she wasn't great on the Indies, but she had the character. Can anyone tell me she's really progressed in the in, in the WWE system? Mm-hmm. Has any of the have any of these wrestlers progressed in the WWE system? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it. NXT UK has had its moments. You know, there's been takeovers hasn't there, where we've gone, oh, you know what, that match was good, or you know, oh yeah, you know, Walter in there with with a Pete Don or something's been good. But all of, any time I see somebody like this on the show or I see Pete Dunn on the show, I just think. He should be somewhere. He should be somewhere else making actual money. He should be somewhere working for an actual legitimate wrestling company. Not this play school NXT that we've got here run by Shawn Michaels behind the behind the curtain and Jim Smallman, you know, scared of his own skin, not willing to you know, step outside of this cookie cutter WWE formula. So yeah, even the stuff I enjoy, I watch it thinking, I just want to see you anywhere else for the sake of your career. And I don't think that has been ever any more clear than watching it here in this like this empty arena setting so if people aren't watching this if you didn't like it before i don't think i can't see you're gonna like it anymore in the uh, in the empty arena world because it just for me exposes the flaws even more um uh, maybe if you're big into round style maybe watch that maybe if you you really want to see a kid and, and homeless flash morgan webster do a round style match up tonight's show maybe go out and watch it but i don't know when you're the other card, Jack Stars and Saxon Husley, does does that excite anyone? Uh, <laughs> not even Andy
0: Ogden. That doesn't even excite oh. Andy Ogden. And he, and he gets excited about some parts of NXT UK. <laughs> but what the, the main thing that hits the bullseye about what you've just said there is that I was watching that Kayla Ray and Viper match, and you can call it oh, gatekeeping <laughs> all you want, and I was like, Oh, yeah, I've seen this match, just ten times better in other... Uh I mean, this is two of the best female wrestlers (laughs) out of Europe, and it's still, they can't grab you with this. I mean, Uh I know you said you've not watched um, any episodes, uh, Sarah, but how are you (laughs) feeling about, like, no fan wrestling as a whole?
2: Well, first of all, can I just say it's like, Kaylee V and Viper, or, sorry, Piper and Evan, I've seen that match a million times. It's like, (laughs) I don't need to watch it on NXT TV. It's like, I've seen it, I've seen it for... You know considerably mm-hmm. less as well. I've seen it for like a fiver on a wrestling show, like a five pound wrestling show. I, I've I'm, I've made it in life, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like with the no fan stuff. Um, I think it's was, I was watch It was when I was watching NXT Takeover. Like I actually liked that setup that they had. Um, just like it, it looked like a wee underground indie show, minus the the zoom calls going around the front. Um, but fanless shows. I don't like them. Like it's not what you're used to. I mean, we've all had to sort of become used to it. Um, but it's you can't really seem to get into a match because the crowd do play a lot into the actual like atmosphere and like the way things are going. Um, I think like the way that AEW had it, for like they just had their own talent at ringside, um and just sort of being themselves, like that even hyped up, that just made all the difference. Mm just having like some fans like or not even fans like well they are still fans actually but like you had like wee things that even they were still getting themselves over like andrea f and sean spears betting at ringside or like it's small things are like austin gunn being like the biggest fanboy ever like even he, he he himself can hype up any match because he's the ultimate fanboy like you just need him and that's it
0: well, yeah, him and Big Swallow I thought Big Swallow's was always yes. doing those uh, things as well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, like said, AEW have done this best. But um, I mean, just uh, before we move on, I mean, behind the scenes, uh, Benno, they've had some uh, management changes. Obviously, Glenn Joseph's is completely gone now. Um, and it seems that he's totally done with wrestling by the looks of it.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, um, you know, these are the views of Benno, not post-wrestling, but... What a fucking shit house! Like <laughs> he, you know, uh, there were stories about Glenn Joseph, and he's, you know, he's crawled off into the night and disappeared. Jim Smallman, you know, everyone's best mate, you know, the leader of this res boom, you know, what's he had to say since June? Not very much. Um, yeah, I just think it's kind of the shit house, really, really isn't it? Um, there are allegations of wrestlers in NXT UK that are completely unaddressed. Um, some that some did deny it, and that was good enough um somewhere just nothing has been said at all. And yeah, we're just uh, expected to carry on and you know, allow this monstrosity to continue to exist. And yeah, I feel like that that's a st- there's a story there. Um and these are people who are heavily involved in the industry. And uh, I feel like you know uh, Zach Saber Jr. gets a uh, gets a lot of grief for, for not speaking out on speaking out and you know some of that's deserved. Andy Quilden got a, a lot of pelted some pelters, some in my opinion deserved, some in my opinion not deserved. You don't hear much noise about these lads who are the you know the leaders of uh, of that Brit res movement. Um and yeah, the Glenn Joseph story, it's one that, you know, I'd like to hear, you know, more about. Why is he left? What's the story behind it? I've certainly heard rumours myself. There were certainly, you know, allegations during the speaking out movement. Um, he's just quietly walked up into the sunset, hasn't he? Um, and, yeah, apparently Jim Smallman's been been moved up uh, at his, you know, I think it's him behind, I think, Shawn Michaels, who's like, you know, Oz in the Wizard of Oz at this point, running the, running this promotion from uh, from abroad. Um, but, yeah, uh, nothing from him um, and nothing from the company either on on why exactly uh, Glenn's stepping aside. So, yeah, I think that's a, extremely disappointing. And I think almost because... This is the industry leader, and we don't expect much of them. Um, they're kind of hiding in plain sight, really. Um, and I do think a lot of the, the criticism that we've all had for the smaller companies, I think, um, should fall on the shoulders of NXT UK as well. This was a, a petri dish of uh, a lot of the problems Brit Res had. And, you know, they're running again, and I don't really feel like a, a lot of those issues were addressed. Um, but again, my personal opinion not the, the opinions of postwrestling.com there.
0: Yeah, because all we've had really are those sort of like really bland corporate blanket statements uh, from Triple H. I think he's talked about it twice. And as far as he's concerned, that's probably covered, isn't it?
1: He just wants to move on, doesn't he? Like any time he tries to bring on, it's almost like he gets annoyed with the media bringing up Velveteen Dream. And the media are doing their job by bringing up the Velveteen Dream allegations. And yeah, I would like to see more of the media that cover NXTU closely. Uh, NXT UK closely, um, and they get the tours of uh, of the of the unit of the BT Sports Studio um, to ask more of these questions. And I know some members of the media have been asking those questions, but yeah, I, I would like to hear more there. And I think there should definitely definitely be more noise about um, you know the state of things uh, at NXT UK and the the sheer amount of uh, speaking out allegations that are that surrounded their roster.
0: So, um, as we we talked a bit at the start, uh, COVID cases have been on the rise in the UK. Uh, More measures are being put in place um, by the English and Scottish governments, so with local lockdowns and bars closing at 10, etc. This hasn't stopped UK promoters, though, from trying to start back up again and running. And uh, our friend Andy Ogden braved it down to uh, Future Shock Wrestling the other week for another slice of uh, going undergrap, so
3: take it away, Andy. Hello and welcome everyone to the return of Going undergrounds with me, Andy Ogden, as I look back at what was one of the first fan-attended shows back in the UK, since the Covid-19 restrictions put a halt to proceedings. So on the 20th of September, Future Shot Wrestling made its return to the Stockport Masonic Guild Hall in, you guessed it, Stockport, for a double-header of action in front of a well-tested audience, ever between... 60 and 70 people for both shows. Now, as you can guess, with many local lockdowns currently happening in the northwest of England, plenty of trepidation and worry were circling around on Twitter, as it always is, about whether wrestling should actually be running in what is a testing time for the nation as a whole, as they wrestle with the confusing statements the Conservative government put out on a daily basis about what you can and can't do. One thing I am sort of learning from whether promotions should be running, speaking out movement aside, is that it seems a lot of the decisions are up to the local councils and the venues itself, as well as the promotions, as we have seen Rise Wrestling have venues pulling out of shows in Leeds and Middlesbrough respectively due to COVID fears. GPW and Hindley have stated that themselves and the venue, the Monaco Ballroom, have currently not found a way at making the show COVID safe. However, they have said they could possibly run in November. Which, in the Wigan area, is a possibility, as it's one of the lower infected areas in the Greater Manchester regions. Elsewhere, you have companies like Tidal Championship Wrestling in Leeds who have just decided it is best for them to hold off until next year when things might quieten down due to a vaccine being available. PCW Wrestling impressed in Preston this past week have announced their return on the 23rd and 24th of October in Preston and Lancaster respectively, as they relaunch as Pro Championship Wrestling instead of Preston City Wrestling. Now reading PCW owner Stephen Flood's Facebook, he said he's had to fill out a 13-page COVID risk assessment just to make sure PCW have their house in order, in case a local Keith Lard comes knocking. What I can say from a space layout, Reva Showbar, which PCW now use in Preston, is a huge room in which you can space many people out in their ticket bubble. Whilst the cantina venue in Lancaster, uh, PCW have said to wrap up for the show as they will be keeping the door open to keep the venue venue well ventilated. Though, as we know, with the Lancaster weather, it's always pissing it down in that part of the UK, so it's going to be a cold one. TNT in Liverpool, who were due to run on the Halloween weekend of just this week, succumbed to the uh, northern local and government officials to run free shows with a reduced crowd. However, it does look like they will be running the free shows behind closed doors and showing them via their Turnbuckle TV streaming service. So let's get into our future shot deal with the precautions they put in place at their double header in Stockport's. First of all, before you entered the venue, you were greeted by members of the Future Shop team who were there to take your temperature to make sure you were fit and ready just to get past the door and rub your hands with some hand sanitizer. Seating in the venue was allocated via who you booked and how many you booked the ticket with. So you were sat in your own ticket bubble and to make sure you stuck to them seats, you was in. One thing I will give to the Future Shot team was how well organised they were with making sure people were shown to the correct seats and also explaining the rules which you should follow, including putting a set of rules on each seat. One way systems were also enforcing both the ringside area and the bar area, which for the bar area was fairly quiet for both shows. I guess the lure of £3.50 for a pint of Guinness didn't tickle many people's fancy. From a crowd atmosphere standpoint, stamping and clapping was encouraged more than chanting. but we you still allowed to chant with um, a mask on, as long as you had it on? Uh, also, to add to the atmosphere, future chocolate daddy mini toy rattles to each seat, which made the atmosphere at times sound like we was in the middle of the Everglades. Oh, and before I get into the show, one last thing was that three police officers checked that the venue was all above board with the precautions and passed the shows to run before the first bell. So let's get into the show. of the two shows, there was a total of 11 wrestlers, with a number of wrestlers performing double duty, including the Future Shot champion, Sonny the tag team champions, the Young Guns, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs, Jacob North and JJ Webb, to name a few. Highlights, I would say, from the first show was probably the first two matches of the day. Firstly, we have a four-way match for the number one contendership for the Adrenaline Tower with JJ Webb defeating Ethan Allen, Jacob North and Keenan as he pinned Ethan for a fluke victory. After the match, with the Adrenaline Champion Callum Cory nowhere to be seen on the day, JJ offered himself up as the standing champion of sorts and offering anyone out for an open challenge, which in the second show was accepted by Nick Maguire, for whom JJ defeated in a good contest. JJ is certainly someone Future Shock is pushing for bigger things in the future. The second match on the first show also involved JJ getting involved as his other half Alexis Falcon faced her former friend Tonga to become the number one contender to the Future Shock women's title. It was a very competitive match between the two of the best up-and-comers on the North West scene. JJ interfered by distracting Tonga, leading to Alexis hitting her DDT to pick up the victory. However, due to JJ's interference, we had a rematch later in the show with JJ banned from ringside. In a change of fortune for Tonga, she defeated Alexis with the unprettier to become the number one contender to face Lana Austin on the 17th of October, COVID permitting. Credit to both Alexis and Tonga who put on two of the best matches of the day, in my humble opinion. Over the two shows, we also had the young guns, Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen, who made been making huge waves on the scene before the lockdown and in their return they had two tag team matches. First of all on the first show against Future Shot newcomers 2Bit and HT Drake who they defeated in around 15 minutes in possibly the best match in the first show's second half. On the second show in the main event they faced a team of J.J. Webb replacing Callum Corrie and the Future Shot champ Sona Durson. What was turning out to be a fitting finale to both shows it will be the young guns getting the victory after JJ left his partner Derson high and dry for the loss from the guns. The young guns, it has to be said, since the lockdown have grown again in size and have the look of a team from a physical stature that could fit in, in a Japanese promotion more than the bright lights of the Fed, but we shall see what path they go down in the future. So there you have it then. Successful double header was ran, and as far as I know, no one has been contacted to say that they've um, contracted the virus. Overall, future Shock have to be commended for the organisation and protocols they put into place. It'll be interesting to see if any further things are put in place at their next double header, which takes place back at the Stockport Masonic Guild on the 17th of October. In yeah, Stockport. Next time, I hope to bring you a review of both of them shows, plus PCW's Doubleheader in Preston and Lancaster. As ever, you can go and follow me on Twitter, at OggiePart3, that's O-G-G-Y-P-A-R-T-3, and at Graps and Claps. You can also go and listen to my podcast, Graps and Claps Audio, with recent episodes covering 90s old Japan. Plus, coming up, we have a huge deep dive into the early days of TNA, with a special guest joining myself and the gang. So until next time, this has been Going under wraps. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks, as always, to Andy there. And uh, and Ben, like Andy laid out there, a number of promotions trying to start off in this COVID world. Uh, Andy mentioned PCW there. Um, you know, uh, we've had a rebrand. They're now Pro Championship Wrestling. Uh, they even released a poster promoting a show for the end of October. And, uh... After the post was released, a number of talents on this post said they wouldn't be appearing at the event, and then, um, and then TWM News printed a quote from the licensing manager for Lancaster Council, who said that no application for an event had even been submitted, despite this being advertised. I mean, what an absolute shit show from uh, Flutter and PCW here! Yeah,
1: it's a shambles, really, isn't it? Um, they're not the only one, as you said. Lots of promotions are trying to run again. Future Shock running in Stockport in the the centre of you know a lot Manchester Manchester Greater Manchester area has suffered plenty from you know from the from COVID and yeah, um you know Preston's not immune either and it's yeah it's no surprise that you know that that show sounds like it's falling apart. But I don't know. I feel I feel like the bare minimum you, you can do is make sure the the wrestlers you've got on your show are aware that they're gonna be on the show before they're on your poster and that the you know the venue are fully aware of uh, of what your plans are. Um, i mean a similar thing happened with you know with tnt you know that we talked a little bit about earlier in liverpool i did have a, you know i was on the on the list as far as uh having a ticket for for the show uh coming up it was supposed to be at the end of october um me and a few of my mates were uh were looking to go and pay on the door for that um but we were a lot more confident about that two months ago and then a month ago we were like ah we'll probably still go and then you know, last week I was uh, did the sh- was lucky enough to do that G1 show with John and John was asking me about the state of the UK and I was like, well, maybe I'd go to shows, but I'd have to see. Uh, I don't know, I feel like now it was it was silly to even imagine that show was going to take place. You know, TNT have cancelled their show. Uh, I think they're going to be doing like a, a stream instead. I can't imagine future shock shows going forward are, are going to happen, uh, especially with all the local lockdowns. I mean, if... If your pubs can't open, and you know I can't go see me dad, you know I can go see me mum because I'm in a bubble, but I can't go to my dad's house. I can't go see any of my friends. Is, is it really right that I can go and sit there and watch a watch a wrestling show? Whether you count it as pro sports or amateur sports, uh, it's really. Probably not something that should be happening. Uh, and maybe, yeah, it, it's a, it's a good thing that, you know, the likes of that PCW show fell apart and a good thing that TNT show isn't happening. You know, maybe myself as a punter, I might have been tempted to go. Uh, but maybe, you know, these are the types of decisions that should be taken out of our hands. And yeah, I think restaurant promotions really need to probably listen to the advice of the uh, the local authorities and the uh, in the cities that they run uh, and yeah maybe question you know any shows really happening with with fans at least uh, this side of uh, of 2021.
0: Uh, Sarah, I mean obviously promotions are desperate to come back and make money but I mean um was, would you even consider going to a show um, if if one was to run in your local area sort of in the next couple of weeks?
2: Uh <laughs> I would say probably not. I mean, just even before lockdown, I'd stopped really going to shows just because it was more of the fact that I couldn't be bothered. Um, And nothing was sort of attracting me to it. Um, But I would say, like, it would all depend on, first of all, the promotion and obviously what they were doing. Like, But I'm not that desperate for wrestling to get back up and running um, because I'd still rather, like, the safety of everybody. uh, Mm Because... At the end of the day, like no matter what precautions that you take, social distancing, you can't social distance wrestlers unless you unless you're gonna do like a DDT style like promotion match and just have complete silliness going on. I mean you probably could do that actually, but um mm-hmm. and even like what No Japan do, like they're disinfecting the ring and like whatnot after every few matches, like there's only so much you can do, but at the end of the day, like you can't guarantee everybody's safety um because it all it takes is just one person it's it's like um like the comparison i made the other day was like a man impregnating like nine women in the space of like nine days and like that that multiplies and all that sort of stuff it just takes one just one thing for it to happen so it's like one person to have symptoms or be a carrier or like touch a surface and that or touch somebody else. Um, and then it may not affect you personally but then if you carry it on like say like your grand got it or like someone that's quite vulnerable it's quite close to you and that's when it really hits you because you may potentially lose someone because of covid mm-hmm. Um so i wouldn't be desperate and if people wanted to start running wrestling shows i'd call them idiots because mm-hmm. at the end of the day nothing's more important than people's health yeah, yeah.
1: that's that's <laughs> very true it's tough, isn't it? Because, like, I, I would, you know, I listening to, you know, to Andy's segment there, you know, it does sound like Future Shock put a lot of, you know, effort into making things safe and doing temperature checks and keeping people at a distance. There is only so much you can do, though. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to... I wouldn't judge the likes of an Andy going to that show. Like I say, I was, you know, half a mind to go to this TNT show until I got pulled off. Um, I can even empathize empathize a little bit with you know these these companies that are small businesses that are you know the temptation to to run a show and. You can phrase it as making a quick buck, but, you know, to to, to make some money and to, to put them, you know, th- these are companies that are, are probably running close to the bone as it is. I can see the temptation from their point of view. Uh, but I, for me, I think the responsibility lies with, you know, the local authorities and local government and yeah maybe people more responsible than the likes of me that that might have been tempted to go to a show like that tnt show um and it does sound like you know those authorities are, are stepping in um and i think that that is a good thing and maybe that's where the responsibility should lie because yeah, i think while i would kind of hope that <laughs> wrestling companies have a moral compass and some that some have one more than others um we probably can't rely on them um to cancel these shows, so I think that's going to be a, a recurring theme up until the end of the year, promotions trying to run um, and then getting pulled back
0: And, um, and the G1 kicked off uh, has kicked off since our last show and obviously there's uh, two British guys in the tournament, in the actual tournament itself and then Gabriel Kidd on the undercard um, Seems to be a distinct lack of buzz around this G1 compared to years gone by, understandable with everything going on in the world, but uh, Sarah is the G1 something you've been keeping up with this year?
2: Yes. Um, well, my my boyfriend's very very big on Japanese wrestling. Whereas before I met him, I maybe I knew who wrestlers were, mm. um, and maybe tried to watch like one or two shows. Um, but no, I've been I've been following the G One um, really really closely this year. Not miss, like not missed a single match, um, and like still getting quite upset when like people that I'm like no, nah, they they should be winning, um, or if people like Yano gets cheated. <laughs> Just it's justice for Yano. That's uh, that's at the moment, it's justice for Yano.
0: <laughs> well, Benno, you've been covering this quite uh, extensively on Grapple and then obviously the show with John. Um, how, uh, how's the G1 been for you this year then?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been it's been a struggle. We've just hit past the uh, the halfway point. Um, and yeah, this is the point where I think G1 fatigue hits. And I think it's hitting even harder this year because, World War one, that B block is just, dreadful <laughs> <Okay. gasps> no uh, sorry i'm not an lij guy i'm just not uh, I, can't, I can't deal with evil can't deal with sanada he's not with even
2: an lij anymore you can't classify him as LIJ. He's an
1: lij guy he doesn't i mean is he really in Bullock club i just don't think he fits i can't oh, no,
2: i've i've got my own theory about that like i've got oh, okay. a, big, a big theory that like we'll see because There's a reason that he left Lij, like because he was always deemed second best. Like he's going to. There's there's no reason other than they promised him a top spot in the Bullet Club, and that's where I believe that things are going to go to shit, and Jay White's going to break off and start his own faction.
1: That would make sense as a story, Um, (laughs) but I just don't want to see evil in that story. Sorry. (laughs) So now you can tell me. (laughs) Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just...
2: Nada. His new look is, like, getting to me. I love it. I love his new look.
1: <laughs> I th- I th- but I think, like, if you put him in, like, that bullet club gear, doing, like, t- doing exactly Evil's role, I just feel no. like he aesthetically sits a bit better now.
2: I don't think that poor Hiromu Takahashi could take any more people leaving.
1: Like,
2: <laughs> even, I was, even I was heartbroken when poor Hiromu was just like, no, why is everybody <laughs> leaving? And was like, my favourite of all time. I was actually... I was actually hoping he'd be in the G one this year. I know he's a junior, but I still think like the best of super juniors is going to be his last one. I think he's going to transition to the heavyweight, and he'll probably take Yoshihashi's place next year.
1: Oh yeah, he would add so much life <laughs> to that B block if, if he was just. I, I don't. I wouldn't have expected him to win any matches. It would probably be like Osprey's first run as a you know a junior moving up to heavyweight. But... <laughs> I probably wouldn't be moaning so much about the B block if uh, <laughs> if Robert was uh, in the mix there, because yeah, I think I think for me the the biggest you know on a British point the biggest thing I've enjoyed in the B block has been Zack Sabre Junior. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't seen today's B block show yet, but I've heard great oh, things. About the, the just
2: you oh, wait.
1: is it as good as wait. it sounds? Twelve minutes it goes, which I'm shocked for a Yano match.
2: Oh, it's it's definitely something like I I actually just finished watching um, all the matches just before I came on with you guys. Um, Mm. And I think that's probably like one of my favorite Zack Sabre Junior matches, because like I am a fan of like the antics, but my style is the juniors. Um, So when it comes to like, you know, proper wrestling, as they (laughs) call it, um, real wrestling or, you know, clean wrestling. It's not something that I'm the hugest fan of, which is why I'm a fan of Yano, because of all of his antics. Um, but you'll you'll thoroughly enjoy it if you appreciate clean wrestling and um, Yano, just Yano.
1: Clean wrestling versus dirty wrestling, I think it is. <laughs> um, Yano, yeah, uh, you know what? A lot of people are sick of Yano in the G1. I still, <gasps> I still, I still enjoy him. Um, it's like
2: he causes and... upsets. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's it, and it's it's a break, isn't it? Uh, attack sometimes it's a bit repetitive, but I think overall, absolutely
2: not. I would never get sick of Yano. I love him. I say, watches YouTube as well as actual gold. <laughs> that's
1: it. He's, he's bigger than wrestling, Yano. Uh, but yeah I'm, oh, yeah, I'm hyped to see that. I really am. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to say that that was that's what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, as far as like Zach's tournament so far, I think he's been. You know, again, I've been a little bit down on the speed block, as you might have heard, but I do think he's been a highlight. I think is you know, we had probably, for me, Sonada's best match of the tournament, where it just feels like anytime Sonada gets in there with Zach, I don't know if you've noticed this, Sarah, but like he just decides he's a technical wrestler all of a sudden and, and, and goes hole the hole with Zach, and you don't see him do that in any other match. Sonada
2: you know, just does what he wants. That's what he just
1: he just does what he wants. <laughs> he does, including applying that finisher as quite badly and uh and continuously <laughs> go for insults as uh, as gareth on grapple gets sick it's quite annoyed with um uh, but yeah i i do think the, the zach drags something out of him i, I feel like it is matches mm-hmm. and, uh, i enjoyed that as a highlight of the tournament i don't know what you thought of uh zach and kenter uh sarah that was a for me that's a that's a real highlight of this b block it just felt like it was the perfect zach sabre jr match it was the type of match where he goes in there kenter tries to kick his head off Zach goes off his technical game plan and tries to like trade strikes with <laughs> Kenter of all people, and yep. just dies for it. and And the match is as simple as that. And it's I think literally the finish of the match is Zach trying to trying to trade strikes with Kenter, and Kenter just knocking him out. And yeah. it's just it's so gratifying when Zach does that <laughs> style of match, where it's like it's not a Zach Saber junior match, but it's something he's gotten really good at do, doing lately. And I was a I was a big fan of that one.
2: Yeah, I think. Um... I think my my initial thought I was like, "You're you're trying to kick Kenta? Why are you trying to kick Kenta of all people?" And you're just like, "Uh oh!" You just sort of sit there going, "I know what's going to happen, but I'm going to enjoy it anyway."
1: <laughs> yeah, just seems like a mistake uh, in general. <laughs> um, I would say as well. I think Gabriel kidd has been a bit of a highlight as well. Uh, I've like-
2: loved I've loved seeing him like. Oh. It's been quite upsetting, like whenever he doesn't win, because obviously, like I was a big fan of Gabriel Kidd before he went to the dojo, um, like even like his his brief times in ICW and then his his one for sort of farewell, um, against Liam Thompson was one of my highlights, yeah. um, of last year. So, and also just sort of going by Young Lion Rules, like it. it he's like probably the most he is the most experienced out like, of the three of them that are doing the matches. Um, but I've I've fairly enjoyed it, especially this new finisher. That's not the Boston Crab.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really works for him, doesn't it? Like, uh, it's a, it's always a good graduation when the lads move on from like the the basic Boston Crab to to something a bit more uh, yeah, a bit more technical. Um, yeah, I think he think he's really going to benefit from this. The fact that there's only basically there's only three young boys, aren't there on on this mm-hmm. tour? And they're just going round in in, in you just they're just chopping and changing each night, and it's going to be a, a combo of any two or the three. And yeah, rather than kind of just a you know appearing on the undercard in a random six man, I feel like this this kind of placement and this exposure, I think he's going to do him really good because like like you said, there, sir, he's not you know he's a young boy to people who, who aren't familiar with him, but you know the likes of us, you know he's a wrestler we've seen and mm-hmm. you know in, in UK wrestling for a good while. Uh, if anything, he's kind of taking a bit of a not a step down because he's gone out to Japan so it's a great move for his career, but he was almost willing to, you know, shed his skin and start again from the the bottom rung like a, like a juice Robinson did. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's gonna expose himself to so many more people and I think because he's got that experience behind him as well, I'm I'm sure he's uh impressing a lot of people who uh, who hadn't seen him before.
2: I mean well he he went and impressed Shavata, so if you impress him, that's it.
1: Yeah. That's a hard part to impress, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I mean the other thing I was going to mention as well. I know you mentioned earlier, so you're not, you know, big on uh, on Osprey, um, <laughs> and you find watching him quite difficult. Which I, I understand. There are a lot of people out there who you just aren't watching the Osprey matches in this tournament, um, and I get it if that's your stance. We kind of we talked about that a little bit on uh, on Grapple in the the first <laughs> review we did, and you know, John and Wade covered that, you know, at the, the start of their G one reviews. But just to say, yeah, on on Osprey's tournament, um, it's been a weird one. I don't, you know. I don't I don't think it's been it, it's not been wall to wall five star matches. Um I'd say that's kind of true of everyone in this tournament though. Again, I feel like the 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 clapping crowd gives you a ceiling. I feel like four and a half is probably as high as I'm gonna go in any match in this G1, and I haven't gone that high, that high yet as far as star ratings go. And I feel like Osprey, especially his style being a you know, a big move, spectacular match that like the Shingo match, you know, it's a million miles an hour match with big spots. Mm-hmm. I do think you lose something a little bit without kind of the crowd to maybe carry the, the low moments or get really excited in the, you know, the big sequence moments. Um, so those kind of big Osprey matches for me have been a, I'm still saying the four star matches, but they've been disappointing because I felt like the ceiling was a lot higher. And if anything, the matches where Osprey's got in there with like a, a Minoru Suzuki or a, a Jay White, who has been forced to work their style rather than yeah. trying to work his style have been a lot better. Um, and a lot more grounded and a lot more enjoyable for me. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Sarah.
2: I mean, well, I just don't like him as a person. Um, I do, I do enjoy his wrestling from time to time. I just don't like him as a person. Um, <laughs> but no, I do agree. Like, I, I believe like he sort, he has sort of changed his style to sort of fit with the current climate. Because like, there's no point in doing like big fluffy stuff if the crowd can't like proper cheer for it, or even just clapping. That's that's all they can do. And there's only so much clapping that you're like, right, okay, this doesn't feel like it's going to hype me up. Um, and then the one time he did try and do his flippy stuff, Suzuki was having none of it. Mm. So, and that's what I loved. But I'm not, I'm not a fan that he he's got a win over Jay White because Jay was my pick from the very very start to win the yeah. entire thing. Um, so I wasn't happy when he got the got the pin over him. I was like, that's just no happening. That's it, it's like the world hates me. But now nah, I wouldn't say it's terrible, but I think his selling as well is gone back to the overselling when it comes to like um, like holds and everything or submissions. Like you just hear him yelling and you're like, come on. It's no that sore. Calm down. Like, <laughs> that's what I keep thinking. You're like it's it's just the small things that you're like, that clearly can't be that sore. It's like tone it down just a little bit because you don't need that overselling. It's, it's not as bad as, you know, like Triple H overselling. Um, but it's it's still it's still a bit cringy from time yeah. to time, especially when there's no noise to sort of drown out a little bit.
1: Yeah, I can see what you're saying because the, the thing is, he's trying to get over like this heel character as well, isn't he? During the shoot, at least I hope it is. Uh, he's just coming across like a complete dickhead. So I hope <laughs> the push is that they're trying to get over this heel character where he's like he's almost doing. You say about the exaggerating the selling, like I felt like a lot of his like exaggerated mannerisms. It's like he's cosplaying Kenny Omega a little bit, you know, with his promos. He's trying really hard to do that. I want to be the new Kenny, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope it's a story because otherwise, like, yeah, he's just. He's coming off like such a dickhead in this tournament, and yeah, um, I'm sure you know, like, like yourself, there, the people out there will go, well, that's because he is a dickhead. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's so pronounced in, in, in this tournament, like even to the point where you know that Ishii match where he's kind of bullying Ishi, and he just oh, he just comes across like the only match where he's not come across as a swat was the match with Jay White. And I yep. think that's because Jay White... Jay White's a bigger
2: arsehole, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. And you're not going to out-arsehole Jay White, are you? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> no, and yeah, I'm with Jay White as well. I'm with you on that match because uh, I've got Jay to go uh, at least to the to the, uh, to the the final day to go head-to-head with Okada for his block in the uh, in the post pickhams Uh So yeah, I've got Jay win a lot of his matches. So that one there, yeah. that hurt me a little bit too. <laughs>
2: No, because I, I said um, if Jay White had been around for the New Japan Cup, that he would have been the one to win it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and not evil. Like, they would have had evil break off at some other point, <laughs> or if yeah. at all. We never, we, we don't know what the original span was going to be. It's like we went off into, like, Flashpoint, and <laughs> we don't know what's ever going to happen again. And I've just triggered myself with Flashpoint, because I still get upset with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it uh, feels like we are at flashpoint because we don't know what could have happened or like what the original storyline that Gado had like mapped out for this year.
1: That's it. Uh, yeah, and you know whether we might have got more work for this Osprey heel run before you know kind of just <laughs> triggering it during a during G one season. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Again, I, I'm. It, it's hard covering the G one and, and watching it every match. It's uh, it's a fun job that uh, that the, the John John away do it so well every year, and I've found the last couple of years trying to keep up with their pace to be honest has uh has been a challenge. But I think there's been enough good in it this year, and you know especially from you know the, the Brits that we mentioned there um, that have you know have brought it. Um, and like I say, you know the exact side of the good tournament, I think Osprey maybe a little bit on the disappointing side on some of the big matches, but. Overall, mm-hmm. I think he's been, uh, I think him and, you know, Jay White, as we mentioned there, and, and our Grapple podcast has been the Jay White Loving podcast this summer. <laughs> if, uh, if you went back to any other year, you would not have expected that, but we've all been bang into it. Um, <laughs> one positive, I would say this G1 is, yet yeah, the, the Jay Whites and the Ospreys of the world who haven't been around in G1. If they've added anything, they've, they have freshened things up a little bit. Uh, oh,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: What interest uh, in this year's one. Did you do the pick'em, sir, or on Post or on Voices? Have you done any of that?
2: No, I haven't, no.
1: Oh I mean, this this is my time to brag because I'm uh I'm second in the B block Martin. I'm uh joined second with uh with our WH Park. It's, <laughs> uh, we have uh, we took over the Rando bot and we're uh we're trying uh to take on uh Brad the Archivist, but yeah, that always uh <laughs> keeps things interesting as well. I'm sure we've got uh, plenty of uh, listeners uh, in there doing the pickems too. Uh it's like betting, but it's free. Uh and it gives yeah. you a it's fancy football, but for wrestling, is the way I describe it. But it definitely uh, keeps my interest up during the uh, the long G1 season.
0: I think that's what's most annoying for me about not being uh, out there in Japan for the G1 finals is uh, having uh, your man W.H. Park sat next to me in a potential uh, J.Y. final. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> having, uh, having his commentary while I'm watching that match, that would have been fantastic. But yeah. Congratulations on the uh on the picking results better. I know you're always down about losing out to the Rando bot, but you've got to remember that um a computer beat Kasparov at chess once. So uh, you know they are pretty good these uh these computer things. But um yeah, as we move into the final portion of the show, I just wanna say, Sarah, thank you uh for joining us this uh this month. It's been been really good having you on and, and chatting. But uh just where can people find out uh uh, sorry, where can people uh, check more of your stuff out? And uh, what's going on with the uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet? Uh,
2: yes, so you can find me s sgrave ninety one on Twitter, and you can find us at uh, Suplex Retweet on Twitter. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well. And um, just sort of catching up, doing like our our weekly feature shows. Um, which this week we'll be talking about the the upcoming drafts for WWE, and then a show that I have been campaigning for for the better part of two years since I joined the podcast. Um, we are doing a show about the Bella Twins uh, coming up as well. So that comes out every Thursday and we've got our, no, that comes out every Tuesday. And we've got our um, our central show, which is just basically a weekly roundup of all the stuff that's been going on. Plus um, some some opinions, I will say, for the better part from, um, <laughs> from our team. So that's what we've been going on quite lately. And obviously I'm going to be Put my head back into the books um and try and i've got like a lot of uni deadlines coming up now yeah. so <laughs> it'll be a it'll be a usual of um randomly tweeting stuff to do with the g1 or this like obviously i'm going to go and watch the the 30 years of jericho on AEW this week mm-hmm. as well which i'm looking forward to so but yeah other than that like we've, we've got some fun stuff coming up and we're in the middle of our fantasy season draft which um it's it's quite fun. It's just basically our version of fantasy football. Um, I'm not taking part in this season, which is the lead up to Survivor Series, just because I was just starting uni. Um, but it's been it's been fun listening in um, to seeing what the guys are doing, and I sadly lost my my championship to the goat David Campbell um, at NXT Takeover, which was not fun. So, <laughs> but yeah, so that's where you can catch us um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But I've had really a lot of fun with you guys today.
0: Right, as we uh, move into the final portion of the show, we're um, on to Red Pro continue their run of pre-taped shows with Epic Encounter 2 and 3. Obviously, a lot of people like Sarah are not checking these out because of the seemingly lack of action around Red Pro Champion Will Osprey. So, obviously, totally understand if nobody wants to listen to the review of of, of these shows either. So, um, rather than run down the whole of both cards, I think we'll just pick some of the highlights from each show and then talk in... In general about them, if that sounds good, Benno.
1: Yeah, sounds good to me.
0: Because, I mean, I mean, should we get into the production? I mean, <laughs> the first episode <laughs> where we were saying, like, oh, it's slightly improved, but there's still issues. I mean, cameras start going a bit wonky now, aren't they? And the sound is, like, worse than ever.
1: Yeah, yeah. These are You said highlights. I think these are going to be the lowlights this uh, section. On the, it's just... It felt like Diminishing Returns, didn't it? Like, the first show, I felt like... They put a bit of effort into the, but i'm not saying they haven't put effort in but they put a lot of effort into the first show as far as production goes and it wasn't perfect um but it felt improved and yeah the second piece the second and third show was just a return to the Rev pro we all know and don't quite love um bad audio levels on the commentary Bad audio levels in the promos where the wrestlers are drowned out by the music in the background or even aren't close enough to the microphone for you to properly hear them. Um, loads of little amateur hour stuff, really. Bad camera work. Not as bad as we've seen in the past for Red Pro, I will say. Mm. But, you know, you know. they found a lens I... cloth now, are not they? There's no <laughs> on the Isn't lens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to complain too much on yeah. that, you know. But there were some weird cuts that came at odd times and just, Generally, yeah, the uh the production wasn't great really. And it, it did make me think, you know, I was someone who was like, I was I wasn't bullish, but I was like, I think people will pay 999 for these shows. Three in now, uh, I don't know, it feels a bit like diminishing returns, really. Um the in ring action's fine, and we'll go into you know some highlights and lowlights from that, I'm sure. But I don't know, does this feel like a hot product that's that's worth spending nine ninety nine on every three weeks? Especially with the obviously Tape nature of it you know with Osprey being in japan and also simultaneously uh able to be in a warehouse in portsmouth or wherever <laughs> the um yeah I, I definitely had i think more of those i was very positive i think on show one show two i was a bit disappointed show three i thought was the worst of the lot um and yeah if i i don't know if i, if I wasn't reviewing this thing for for me two podcasts uh i don't know whether i'll be hugely excited about watching uh the next few shows even though I will say there are some good story beats and, and some positives out of these shows as well. Um, to me, it's just not really a 9 99 product. I don't know if that's harsh.
0: No, I, think I do. And I think also, you know, we might all find about production, but it's also doing you product a disservice because people are instantaneously, you're going to sell them on it in two minutes based on the way it looks. And if they think it looks shit, in terms of production quality, people are just going to switch off, aren't they? So you're doing your product uh, disservice with um, you know, not taking more time with this stuff. But yeah, it is a shame really because um, it's like you say, I think in that first episode they seem to be you know, building some storylines and they seem to have a well-defined roster and I think they'd started doing that before everything um happened this year you know at the start of the year they had that big york Hall show didn't they and they seemed to be like resetting everything and getting their own full-time roster rather than relying on new japan it seems like they were carrying that on in the first episode of these epic encounter series but yeah since then it's just like it's hard to look past some of the issues and obviously the massive issue is that there's no fans there and i think especially in that I think in counter two that that main event the uh, the one that was to unify the uh, Red Pro Cruiseweight Championship and the Southside Speaking Belt uh, between Michael O'Connell and Ricky Knight Jr that was out of all the matches I've seen from like no fan shows I think that one was the main one where I was like this you know
1: this would be 10 times better if there was crowd there oh yeah it was the type of match where it was very I mean, there's a the telling act I mean, the positives of these shows, I think it's Ricky Knight Jr. in general, but the story that there's a couple of little mini stories going on with Ricky Knight Jr. that they're telling really well. This main event was part of one of those stories, um, you know, obviously with the finish with uh, with Connor Mills costing him. But the match itself was just, it was a big indie shootout, wasn't it really? Mm. And it was a li- it was a little bit sloppy. But it was the type of sloppy and the type of big move shootout that I completely agree with you, Martin. You would get away with that. A wild crowd in York Hall or in the cockpit would be loving this and they would be they would and this I think we gone would be as well
0: if we were in that
1: crowd. we you know, you oh, watch
0: yeah. it on tape and you're like, Oh, it's a bit sloppy, it's a bit too shindy and but if you were in the crowd watching this you would be absolutely losing your mind, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, totally. I'd be right there. Yeah. Um, Front row or against the wall in York Hall going crazy for this. Um, And without it, yeah, it does lose a little something. But that's, you know, I don't think that's a new argument. That's true of pretty much all of the, you know, the empty arena wrestling through the summer. But I agree with you. This was a particular match where, yeah, it was just lacking that. It was lacking. It was the type of match that, yeah, it, it was a real shame that it didn't get to take place in front of a crowd um i did enjoy it though you know i think it's the difference between what a three-star match and a 3.75 star match maybe or almost a four-star match that's how much the crowd can bring to that type of thing i think um but no I, you know i still liked it as a match i still like I, I do love this little story they're doing with uh you know the finish of that match with you know ricky knight jr getting getting cost the match by the uh by Connor mills and oku's unaware uh but it's happened uh i think we're we'll getting we're moving towards maybe an oku heel run mm. you think uh maybe that's
0: that's the way it's gonna go. Yeah, he's of looking that way because he's kind of pretending that he don't know what's going on in the background, but you know, really, he sort of probably does.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and I loved, you know, the, maybe we're jumping around a little bit, but I, I love the the payoff of that uh, on the next show when we got you know Ricky Knight Jr. and Conor Mills on Epic Encounter Three, where you know you had the, the reverse there, where Conor Mills was desperately trying to get Oku to to get in there and uh, and help him um and he refused to do it um or at least was was slow to do it i suppose was the story I like that those little story beats they're doing are intriguing like that and it's as much storytelling as you know we've really seen from from rev pro um i think they're doing those little things really well um and yeah i think that you know that that pair of uh of matches from ricky and i jr you know again with a crowd he would be better but I, I definitely enjoyed them and i, I to be honest the payoff of, of you know, him getting screwed in that first match and and coming back and, and battering Connor Mills in the first five minutes of that match with Connor Mills on a Epic Encounters three. That was probably although I didn't love the the rest of that show, that was probably a highlight for me of this of this season so far. I think Ricky Knight Jr. in general just comes across so well. Like, you know, he he's he's coming across as like a a serious future star um, on these shows and he's carrying matches like that. I'm not particularly high on Connor Mills, but I felt like him in there bossing the matches like the bully at the stars and then selling in the middle and then, you know, telling that little locus story at the end. I thought he's been, he's been an absolute re- revelation um, so far, Ricky Knight Jr.
0: Yeah, just to back that up. Yeah, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. Like you noted from uh, both these shows, I mean, that... That main event was, uh, probably the best match on, uh, Epic Encounter 2 and then on 3. He was, he's just, he's you know, there is a lot of talent on that, on these cards, but he's just like outclassing a lot of them. And I think even like his personality and some of the stuff he's doing after he seemed to be involved, especially in that first show, he's involving himself in a load of different storylines, weren't he? He was like, you know, going after Roku and then, you know, even turning on his own tag team partner, Kyle Fletcher, and then calling Osprey out and stuff. And I'm I'm assuming we're, we're leading up to I don't know how many of these are in the can. Epic Encounter 22 is probably going to be uh, Ricky Knight Jr. against Ospreay. Do you think they're going
1: to uh, lead up to that? I think so. And I'm expecting big things out of that because yeah, after that um, that match on the on Epic Encounters 3, after the Conor Mills match, that promo, Ricky Knight Jr. cutting the ring, I've got plenty of criticism of a lot of these in-ring promos. Mm. They tend to be... you know it's out be the... doing in-ring promos oh, at Ospreay and I think he'd even be the first person to say that. Oh especially when he's exhausted after just having done a match and he can hardly catch his breath and then he's having to cut a promo which is in his strong suit oh yeah i've got i've got plenty to say about that but ricky knight jr is the one who's nailed these i think like that that promo after the connor mills match was a money promo where he just you know call out osprey they they they'd laid that little seed where he got the uh, the pinfall victory against Osprey, like you said in that tag match with uh with Kyle earlier on, and you know what I said earlier I was saying ah oh, nine ninety nine is probably a bit much for this this level of show you know if anybody did the job of you know talking me into wanting to see you know a future show wanting to see that match, you say about talking people into the build and that was that was a real star making moment for him both in the the way he cut the promo, the way he threw the mic back at Andy Q uh, and then stormed off. Uh, Yeah, I I think that's probably the direction we're going in. I am actually, you know, that is probably my biggest positive out of these shows. I'm into that. Uh, I do want to see those two uh, finally go at it. So, you know, they've, they've done their job as far as storytelling goes there.
0: I also, love the uh, when they do these backstage sort of promos. You know, everyone's there wearing the gym gear or looking like a, a bit scruffy or whatever, and then he's there in a three-piece suit as well. You know, he proper looks the business in that. So yeah, he's, uh, yeah, it's like you say he has been a complete revelation. I think I'd only seen him a few times uh, when Southside used to run Sheffield, and he was always impressive there. But he's really taken this sort of like I don't know if you want to call it an opportunity in the crazy times that we're living in, but he's really taken it, and uh, he seems to be running with it. But as far as the uh, the second show uh, went, was there anything that really jumped out to you there? Obviously, we had Osprey against Callum Newman. That was pretty good. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, we talked about it on the last show. How much of a mini Osprey Newman is he? It's even he's kind of like where Osprey was in his career, where Newman is now. He's there's sort of like a lot of parallels between them, isn't there?
1: Oh yeah, and that's the story they told in that match, wasn't it? It was kind of the you know the the old flyer against the the young flyer, um. And I like that use, you know, of uh, of Osprey He's almost been like a they having him be like a mentor, aren't they, to, uh, to Callum Newman? Um, you know, I mentioned earlier about how unlikable Osprey is in the G1. Um, he's significantly more likable uh, here in this role as like the the big brother to uh to Callum Newman. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that, and Callum Newman, yeah. Considering his age like he's got no right he's got no right to be as good as he is um I think there's obvious obvious like future star potential in him um and I think yeah, I think you know Colden's spotted that quickly as not he? that he's someone who can basically be you know an osprey of the future um and you know there's there's got to be you know when when you come to you know York Hall in a couple of years and we're talking dream matches that Rev Pro loved to put on. I can see him being on the other side of the ring of of, of those kind of big matches that Ospreay got to be in you know at that, that young stage of his career as well um, he's clearly not all there you know as the, but are times in the match where I feel like he's trying to put together it's a bit like watching the early indies in the early 2000s where like you know CZW dudes are trying to do like really complicated spots that don't always pay off He mm-hmm. um, can be guilty of that sometimes in his matches but yeah I think you know with, with the likes of an Ospreay in there to maybe rein him in a little bit and, uh, and teach him where he went wrong when, when he was a bit young um I think he can only get better. Yeah, I did think that a match on the on that second show was a was a bit of a highlight.
0: And, uh, Mark Askins was also on that second show, wasn't he? And obviously he's someone who um you know, he'd been around on the British scene for ages and appeared in every promotion and was quite prominent in some of the major promotions like Progress, and obviously, you know, you need a break from people for sometimes. and he looked like he'd gone off to the States to uh, do a lot of ROH stuff, so it seemed like we were getting a sort of, like, much-needed break from Haskins. Do you feel he's sort of like, um, you know, it was a bit... Fresher seeing him this time around, or do you think, uh, you know, we still needed a bit more of a break from Haskins? Because no, you know, not doing him down, but he every, you know, he had been on the scene for absolutely ages, aren't he? In a lot of prominent sort of like uh, roles in in big companies. So uh, yeah, do you think um, it was interesting seeing Haskins coming out here for the first match?
1: Yeah, um, like at least someone who repro taking a chance on because, well, where else is he working? you know, in the UK prominently, he's probably not going to do progress anymore. You know, when progress is back, uh, being a ring of on, on a contracted guy. Um, yeah, I've been harsh on Haskins in the past. Like he is, he was overexposed, wasn't he? You know, like, like Mark Andrews, same thing. Um, both very good wrestlers who we've seen have very good matches, but just for a long time. And there weren't really any fresh combinations where that, um, but what I've seen of him in his ring of honor run, um, you know he's got a, a little bit more of a, a darker edge to him um you know over the ring of honor bringing that back to rev pro you know this new presentation of him um i think it it works and it's it's worth a try i did think i thought the jj gale match was I, i've i've seen people really love this i just thought this was it was just 10 minutes too long really i mean mm. maybe 5 minutes too long maybe 10 minutes is too much it just went too long for a match with a with you know a jj gale of the world uh, i think if anything, haskins was guilty of maybe giving him a little bit too much uh in this match but i can't say that you know that haskins didn't look good and yeah i think he's if i was refro i'd be using mark haskins right now um he he gives you something different he is dependable there are negatives to it because we have kind of seen him in every possible combo but yeah i'd say he's sufficiently freshened himself up he's been out of the the public eye at least as far as major british promotions for for long enough now that yeah i think you can uh, you can definitely do some interesting things with him in this presentation
0: yeah, he's definitely a reliable hand, like you just said there. I mean, and speaking of things going too long, I thought, cause obviously, a lot of these matches on these Epic Encounter shows are, uh, are quite, you know, short and to the point, aren't they? But on this, on this third show, we had the main event with Osprey against Kyle Fletcher. I thought it was a fun main event, but, um, and obviously the result was never in any doubt. Cause like you noted earlier, we've seen Osprey you know, walking around with the title in Japan. So, but I thought that match was, was, was a tad bit too long, especially for, um, a two hour show, I thought.
1: I was convinced that was going to be a swerve. Um, that like, yeah, Osprey's, Osprey's walking around with the belt in Japan, but we're going to go with those like, Remember when WCW used to like block tape their tapings and they'd have like tag team champions coming out with yeah. belts that they haven't won yet. Um, I wondered you know who we going to get FedEx
0: like it back. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: he's going to have to send it back. Um, yeah, he's, um, I, I, you know, it might still happen from these tapings, uh, so I suppose there is, there is always that doubt. Um, but yeah, that you know, the Kyle match, it was fine. Um, I, I don't know. I, I again, empty arena wrestling, you know, beating a dead horse really there. But I do think you know you've hit the, the nail on the head there. Really, did this really need to be twenty five minutes? Um, it, it, last five minutes, I was into it. You know, the, the the stuff on the apron that I was into, and then you know the. The end with kind of Osprey. I think they did a good job of telling the story of Kyle as legitimate contender. They need to. They need to get Kyle over as a serious singles guy. You know, it, it, Aussie Open had mixed fortunes in Rogue Pro. You know, they'd have great matches and then they'd have you know shit shows like that. Remember that York Hall show when they had that match with Gresham and Brooks and they brawled on the outside for thirty minutes and oh just, god yes, don't <laughs> never,
0: ever remind worst. me about that. Yeah.
1: There was a lot of that, wasn't there, with them? But the, the, those lads particularly, their worst tendencies coming out, uh, mm. especially on cockpit shows, going a, going a little bit too uh, Tuesday night raps at times. Um, and, you know, with with Mark Davis out of the picture, and uh, with the obvious potential that we can all see Kyle Fletcher has, has this. he's another person like, you know, in a, in a different way, but like Haskins where who else is using Carl Fletcher as a serious singles guy? Rev Pro mm. can really do something with him, and he can really add some much-needed you know, one size because of how big he is, but which needs maybe credibility to the upper card of, uh, of red pro. So I thought that's kind of what they did with this match. Wasn't it? Like they told them at the story of them being pretty much equals. And then really at the end, it took Osprey killing him really more than anything to, to pour him out with that horrible, uh, the, the hidden blade from the front, uh, the, the, not so hidden blade the, uh, the, the commentary said, which was, uh, one of a uh, few good calls we got from that commentary. Um, you know, put that over. And yeah, I think they put over the fact that you know, although Kyle didn't get the big win in that tag match and although he was on the losing end here, uh, the match was about establishing him as a main event act. And yeah, while I say I wouldn't go maybe higher than maybe 3.25 stars on this thing, it's not a star making match for Kyle from a an in-ring point of view, but from a credibility point of view uh, in Red Pro's heavyweight division. I think it, it did a lot for him um, and I think they, they protected them well enough that um, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing him in uh, in more high profile positions like this one.
0: How do you feel now about uh, Kenneth, Harpenny Penny, and Brendan White now seen it uh, a load of times? <laughs> They're really going with that as a match, aren't they?
1: Did anyone ask for that? Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, obviously, you know, we've just raved, said about the uh, the young boys in uh, in New Japan and the fact there's only three of them and we're, and we're rotating. But at least there's three of them and we're rotating. Mm. And we're not getting <laughs> these two lads over and over again you know and you can't fool me there's no way these two are like a uh, young contenders they look like they got mm. you know they both look about 45. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Canada, <laughs> that's
0: a John Tenter yeah when they're like 28 <laughs> they look 40 odd.
1: That's it yeah he, he, John Tenter is like yeah he's the uh he's the equivalent of a fellow who looked about 50 when he was in his uh in his 20s <laughs> uh that's the uh that's the career path um yeah, I mean, I get, I get the idea. Fun little five-minute match between the contenders on every show. I just didn't need it five times. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's like I said to you last time. It's, it's two lads in black trunks having a bland match. Like it, there's no stakes really. I mean, I suppose you can say the stakes with the best of five, but I don't care who wins the best of five. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's an easy skip really, as far as these shows go, and I, I, I couldn't blame anybody for uh, for skipping over these matches. Harpenny and Brendan White are fine, you know, as wrestlers, um, okay. and. I- I get the, the temptation to wanna to give them this spot and, you know, get, give them a little bit of bit of shine. Um and hope maybe they they uh, they kill it in one of these matches or maybe, you know, we build up and we get a big big fifth match that, that, that people walk away talking about. But yeah, it certainly hasn't grabbed me so far. Um and it's a lot of it's just a presentation, really. It's it's two contenders and black drunks having five minute wrestling matches. Um it's not really much that's gonna get me particularly excited.
0: And the next show is going to be uh Deschanel Shore against uh, B. Priest, So that's the only one match, as far as I can see, that they've advertised so far. And uh, how many, um, how many of these do you think we're going to see by now? Uh, how many do you think they've got in the can for uh, for these epic encounter
1: shows? Yeah, I don't think they've outright said, have they? Um No. I wonder, I wonder how many they managed to get in because obviously, I mean, you can tell from watching these things that obviously recorded in a big block. And like you said with Osprey, they were clearly recorded before he had to. Uh, do a run to Japan. I wonder if you know, given the current circumstances, if they, you know, if they were planning on coming back and doing more tapings, can they? Um, you well, know, I suppose,
0: if, uh, like we were noting earlier about TNT, uh, maybe streaming there. But it seems there's no heading streaming theirs. And then obviously London's not got any local lockdown restrictions, so I suppose maybe they could do rather Portsmouth. Yeah, keep. <laughs> Yeah, For getting uh, a yeah. Red Pro based in Portsmouth, but yeah, I suppose they could do. But perhaps they might want to wait till. Um, well, he might not be coming back, but I suppose they might want to wait and see if Osprey ends up coming back to the UK or not.
1: Maybe I mean I wondered when you know when Osprey mentioned this promo on the latest show about wanting a, a British G one, mm. um, that could be a, a season two, couldn't it? You know, you don't yeah. need Osprey then, and the winner gets the gets the shot at Osprey. Maybe maybe that's the way we're going. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And you know, like I said. Uh, I think the productions are real negative. Um, I think the shines off a little bit from the, from the fair show and certainly interest. I don't think there was a huge amount of interest in the first place. Interest feels down anecdotal. Mm. Um, but I can't say that, you know, there haven't been good things on the show. You know, R- Robbie X particularly, you know, I've, in, I've enjoyed him on the shows, uh, not as promos. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, like a lot of people, shouldn't have been put in that position, I don't think. It's a it's a good idea, but you know, just reshoot them mods, you know, it's not live. You can yeah. you can wait five minutes after like, catch his breath and uh and, and do it again. Second takes are okay. Um but I, you know I've enjoyed watching him. I, I've enjoyed the women's division. I think they've done yeah. a good so job. That women's division desperately needed rebuilding. Um unfortunately, you know, Aaliyah James seems to have signed with NXT UK and she's someone they were trying to build around. How, how typical is that? You know, Rev Pro try and book someone and, uh, and here comes NXT UK to sign them before. I know, and
0: we thought we'd got rid of 20, that for yeah? at least six months.
1: Yeah, that's a real shame, that really, because I think she's been good. Um, you know, but I, you know, I've enjoyed, you know, the, the B Priestley, Jamie Hayter team on these shows. That tag that was on the second show was just, it was an ugly match. But it felt like a fight, and I appreciated that about it. It felt like four the women out is there. good
0: at that style, isn't she
1: as well? Oh yeah, yeah. She she's great at that, and B, you know, was good at that too. And um, you know, Aaliyah James was good for a part as like the the underdog, I suppose, in that match team with Giselle Shaw. Um, yeah, the, you know, those those girls have been real highlights uh, of these shows too. Um, you know, so that that's been the stuff I've enjoyed. Just yeah, I, I think we need better promo, <laughs> better promos, or better editor promos the production we're going to moan about until the day we die, I think, uh- there's a lot of, I mean, these shows are only two hours, but you know, there's some fat on these shows as well. I personally don't need to see these contenders matches. I don't need to see matches like Mad Cat, Giddy, and Gray. That felt like a big miss. Uh, you know, do we, do we rate? Do re- I mean, I get it. You know, but Mad Cat's the one meme wrestler in this company, and the, you know, he, he does provide something different. He's worth using, but was anybody desperately hoping for a Mad Cat, Giddy, and Gray serious ten minute match? I, I know I wasn't. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so you know. It's been a mixed bag, really. I'd say, and I, I do think my my enthusiasm from episode one has uh, has waned a little bit. Uh, but who knows? You know, they've got this uh, this fourth go show coming up, and who knows how many they've got in the can. Uh, maybe they'll turn me around. Uh, maybe this time next month we'll uh, we'll be raving about it. But you know, there's a uh, it's certainly not all bad, and there's uh, there's plenty of uh, of good in there too.
0: It's also worth noting as well that these shows are going up on their on-demand service. Uh, it's the Wednesday after they air, isn't it? So I suppose <laughs> if anyone's listening to these and thinking, "Oh no, I'm not shelling out ten or a show," I suppose if you have already got that Red Pro subscription service, then you know it is worth checking out, sort of like bits and bobs, especially the Ricky Knight Junior stuff from these shows.
1: I'd say. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the he's the man. if you if you're picking and choosing, you can, you get two of your main stories as well, following along Ricky Knight Junior. So yeah, bah. The women's matches, maybe following the uh the development of Callum Newman. Uh, you know, there, there are there are things worth picking out if you uh, if you've got the Red Pro on demand service, I suppose that's the other thing, isn't it? You only have to wait a couple of days, so um uh, it's yeah, it maybe like
0: we- an odd decision, I suppose you don't want to short change your subscribers for your main service, but it also seems a bit daft if you're hoping people are gonna
1: buy the show and fight anyway. Uh well I mean, I suppose the thing is though, you know, what else can they offer on the on demand service right now? I'm that's a real lifeline to the promotion, isn't mm. it? Mostly. So yeah, I, I do get that. Um so yeah, there's a there's a fair amount of uh, of good in there that maybe if you were if you're picking and choosing and being discerning, um might be uh, quite an easy watch.
0: Yeah, so um that's um so about that sums it up for the wrestling. Um but I mean before we get into any plugs of our own, um Everyone really needs to go and donate, if you can, to the GoFundMe set up by a post listener, Jamal, who who sadly recently lost his seven-year-old son in a traffic accident. And and they're trying to raise funds for the funeral. So please help, if you can, uh, Waze posted the links on his Twitter, as does John. But, um, yeah, so please go and donate to that if you can. But, um, Benno, um, we're only talking once a month now, it seems. So uh, what have you been up to um, over on Grapple?
1: yeah um over on grapple we've uh we've been doing our, our g1 recaps uh weekly through the tournament so kind of split our shows in two we've got the second half covering g1 and the first half uh everything else uh, we've seen in the wrestling world uh, and obviously you can also get our uh our fantasy football chat or g1 pickings chat and uh and all of that stuff as well um yeah i was as i mentioned earlier i was lucky enough to to be on with john uh, in one of the post uh, cafe g1 daily shows like Genuinely a huge honor, and uh, for me personally, like I go, you know, you heard me and Sarah raving about the G1 earlier, but I, w- I don't think I'd, I, I would have got into New Japan, you know, in 2013, 2014, if it wasn't for listening to John's audio, if li- listening to him and Corp Bauer selling the world on Ustream. Um, I can remember from like 2013 2014, um, you know, down to like listening to to John do those those shows solo from like uh, I think it was one year where I think he recorded a few shows from his car um for me the gold standard of, uh, of wrestling broadcast and i was always uh way, well impressed that uh, that john managed to keep things up and obviously he's had the uh, way join him these last last uh, couple of years so for me like the biggest honor um really getting to getting to do that show with john have a bit of a fast and furious chat in there too as we did um and talk you know a pretty disappointing b block show unfortunately <laughs> uh but yeah I had a hell of a time with that, so yeah you can check that out from uh from post wrestling's uh uh, patreon cafe uh from last week that yeah one of uh, definitely for me personally one of the the highlights of uh of uh of doing podcasts in these last few years
0: yeah it was it was good definitely uh worth checking out and really enjoyed listening to you chat through that and uh myself and Ben will be back on the twelfth of november uh In between then, I'll be back with Andrew Thompson for another round of Wrestling Adventure on the 22nd of October. And like I said at the start of the show, thanks for everyone for the great feedback on that first show. It was such a blast chatting with uh, Nate Milton and Andrew about WrestleMania 19. So definitely check that one out if you haven't already. And uh, of course, all roads lead to postwrestling.com. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back on the 12th of November.